The following is a hoop ball presentation. Another edition of Round Ball Ramble. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. Follow me on Twitter at CorbinMBA. It has been a minute, but we are back. Um, definitely make sure to check us out, of course, Round Ball Ramble. Make sure to check out Hoop Ball, as I usually say on Twitter at Hoop Ball Tweets online, hoop ball.com. Great content's not only been churning out this entire time, but there's a trade deadline list uh, for every team from a fantasy perspective that you should definitely check out. Uh, there's going to be a giant uh, four-hour no-commercial trade deadline show uh, that will be run by some great guys that you should check out as well. Um, probably by the time you listen to this, it'll already have been up. Um, and just great content all around. Uh, you know, fantasy basketball still in full swing. I have no idea where my teams have been. I've just kind of checked out on that. But you know what? Um, that's not the same for y'all. So make sure you get on that as soon as you can. Uh, I am joined by my good friend, uh, SBC alum, um, just just overall, I mean, big bro. I don't even know what you can say. So many things. Co-host of Duncan Dynasty. Well, he's the host. I'm the co-host. Anyway, um, contributor to Rip City Project, uh, all this stuff. Garrett Bouguet, at Garrett Bouguet on Twitter. Um, and we're just going to talk the NBA trade deadline because by the time you hear this, it's going to be in full swing. Garrett, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm I'm excited to talk hoops and, you know, so excited that I'm willing to record a podcast that will probably be, uh, you know, uh, pretty irrelevant in about 24 hours. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And there is a lot, a lot to kind of get into. It's and, and it's weird. Trade deadlines, you know, I, I actually always love the anticipation just before it happens, particularly over the last two deadlines, because, you know, there's where there's smoke, there's fire. And no, the trade deadlines usually where there's smoke, there's smoke. And maybe we'll get some smoldering here or there. But like something tells me, something tells me this every year, something tells me that there's some real um, you know, some real movement on the horizon here that we should really look forward to tomorrow. And I'm excited to kind of get into this with you and, you know, different players that are kind of been tossed around. And honestly, I'm going to throw it over to you, Garrett. Where do you want to start? Because between Kyle Lowry in Toronto, Aaron Gordon in Orlando, what are the Lakers doing? What are the Bulls doing? Clippers, Raptors. I mean, there's all these different teams that are in the mix. The Knicks and somehow Andre Drummond, despite having actually played well up to this point and making smart decisions. Like, what is what do you want to start here to make sense of this uh, this trade deadline morass? Let's let's get into the uh, what what Adrian Wojnarowski posted uh, or, or mentioned in the the, the Woj Low special to earlier today uh, about a Kyle Lowry potential trade to the Lakers. I uh, obviously Zach Lowe responded with a, a bit of a gasp. I was surprised to hear that. I know uh, Corbin mm-hmm. as a Lakers fan, I'm sure you were you were surprised and maybe excited at that possibility. But you know, looking at the the, uh, the the salary matching that would have to take place, of course, Lowry making over thirty million a year. To me, there's no way for the Lakers to make this work unless you include two of these three players: Dennis Schroeder, Montrez Harrell, and Contavious Caldwell Pope. And uh, yeah, I mean, they they could do a combination of of Schroeder and Harrell, or potentially Schroeder and KCP. But, 
you know, they, they also can offer that 2027 first round pick, which, uh, you know, might have some some decent value, might be one of the better firsts that that uh, Toronto could could get back in a deal. But it is fascinating. Uh, also, you know, maybe maybe the Lakers would have to throw in a guy like Taylor Horton Tucker to make it happen. And when you get to a three or four player for one swap, you start to wonder, OK, obviously Lowry is a an upgrade over any individual player that the Lakers would be sending back, but uh, they also would be sacrificing a decent amount of depth. Yeah. And like you said, those those pieces, particularly like you said, um, Montrez, in my opinion, just because of what he's meant from uh, a bench scoring production role, like you know what you're going to get, and it's actually been pretty valuable. They need a little bit more of that. But uh, KCP's a big part of them. He was the, a big reason why the Lakers won the championship last year. Um, his shooting is kind of cratered. It's kind of picked up over the last month, but he obviously hasn't had the same impact um, that he did last year. I guess you could say that for a lot of the Lakers. But you're right. To get an impact player like Lowry, you have to measure the cost of Losing some of your depth for a guy who raises, I think, your ceiling as a player who can kind of, I don't want to say create more shots, but someone who can get players in the offense, brings a lot more versatility that way to not only mention the intangibles as well. And then you're really putting a lot of your eggs in the bio basket to hope that there's guys like Andre Drummond, like Otto Porter, you know, like folks that can come over to the Lakers under the promise of not only championship contention, but also um, playing time because, you're losing key pieces of that. And, and Dennis Schroeder, it's a lot in the air. And for the Lakers as well, like you said, um, not only is that part of their depth, but some of these guys, you, uh, from a cap perspective, are kind of stuck with having to try to bring back. Um, if you bring Lowry back, I know this was worried about Lowry looking for like an extension of two years, $50 million. Not sure how verified those sources are. But, you know, Dennis Schroeder, he's looking to be resigned. Montrezl Harrell has a player option. You know, all these guys are out there. Um, Taylor Horton Tucker, restricted free agency, he's going to get a big offer. So you have to come to grips with the fact that either A, you're going to keep these guys or are you going to let them go? And if you are, is Kyle Lowry worth that for you, knowing that you're not going to be able to bring back the, that caliber of player with that type of money that they're attached to next season? Right. It's the it's the ultimate win-now proposition for the mm-hmm. Lakers, trading for a guy in his mid-30s. And again, those, those three guys that I mentioned with – with two of them having to probably be in the deal and Schroeder, Harrell, and KCP, you know, the Lakers don't have a, a great young core, but I think that was part of the offseason strategy as well was to get younger, to have some guys as LeBron started to age, a, a younger group that could sort of carry more of the load. And if you make this deal, you've sacrificed a ton of that young core and you've really gone all in towards uh, veteran players and, you know, just a more top-heavy roster, do I think that the Lakers probably have a better chance at the title, especially if it's the, you know, if it's the the Schroeder-Harrell package? I do. But, you know, if you're throwing in Schroeder and KCP, uh, you know, I, I think maybe they're slightly better. I, I don't know. I, I think KCP has a lot of value as that wing defender and uh, obviously, they could they could play Caruso a bit more, but it is it is interesting that uh, that dynamic of not only sacrificing depth but also sacrificing a bit of that young core that I think was one of the reasons why I and others were excited about what the Lakers did this past offseason. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it kind of goes this type of move, mind you. A lot of it's just hinged on the. Uh, unpredictability, if that's the word I'm going with, yes, about Lowry potentially being available at this time, you know, 
um, and reacting to it, but you have to think about it. Yeah, the the Lakers took a marked um, difference in terms of how they won the championship with how they went and prioritized the offseason this 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 past summer or fall, whatever. Um, anyway, um, in terms of you know acquiring more offense and, and, and losing some of that uh, verticality that they had with their big men, getting guys like you know a ground bound but more offensive minded and a maestro on that end, Marcus Saul and Montrezl Harrell, which kind of seemed uh, a totally different than what the Lakers had done before. And you're right, KCP. Um, another solid player as well, who like we just talked about in terms of his value to the Lakers last season. Now to go to what you said about those players going to Toronto, yeah, I feel like from the Toronto perspective, it's kind of interesting because you have, I mean, you're gonna have uh, you're gonna have um, KCP locked up for a little bit, so that's good. You you kind of have that up in the air with Montrezl Harrell. Uh, I don't know about Shooter or whatever the case may be there, um, but then you also getting guys who could help you as far as immediately plug-and-play type of players. You know, Montrezl Harrell come off the bench, you know, pick-and-roll kind of guy, give the ball, dump down. He's been very effective um, kind of posting up, playing um, that type of funneled offense for the Lakers, uh, especially over the last – well, not the last couple of games, but over uh, most of the stretch of the season. So you put those guys on Toronto, and their style isn't a market difference from what's going on, and they can add to that. Like you said, the value KCP provides can be beneficial for any team in the NBA, much less, you know, the Toronto Raptors. So you can go from that, from the Raptors saying, okay, we have some level of flexibility in the offseason with these guys. We're getting valuable players that can help us to kind of tread water, kind of stay where we are, and also kind of reassess and start to build around uh, Fred VanVleet and OG and Anobi, guys of that of that sort. Yeah, as I said, I think that 2027 pick, I mean, LeBron probably, you know, 43 or LeBron. I I shouldn't uh, I shouldn't uh, say this for sure, but uh, he's likely going to be retired in 2027. Uh, It's it's possible. uh, You know, um, Anthony Davis will be what in his low to mid 30s at that stage, so probably won't be nearly as good. So, yeah, 2027 first round pick from the Lakers, as long as it's not heavily protected, is is probably one of the better first round picks they could the, the Raptors could could acquire for Lowry. The question is, will another team come in with potentially two first round picks or will they come in with a first round pick and a young player that they prefer over what the Lakers can offer? Uh, It'll be fascinating. I think this might be a good time to kind of move towards uh, the Sixers end of this because they've also been a team that has has been uh, has been tracking Kyle Lowry and has wanted to pair him with the likes of uh, of uh, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And they're in a they're in a similar position where just for the salary matching purposes, they're going to have to include the likes of of Danny Green, most likely uh, Mike Scott. A couple of those young guys, maybe both Thibault and uh, and Maxi, yeah. Uh, so so they're also a team that, uh, yeah, they would they would have to sacrifice a ton of depth to acquire Lowry. Yeah, and, and that's a lot. And you're right. Like I saw one actually. This is a no trade clause, and they did like a potential trade of um, Danny Green, Mike Scott, Tyrese Maxi, and Terrence Ferguson for Kyle Lowry. Paul Watson and Terrence Davis, and it's interesting. I mean, in my mind, again, they're in a similar situation to the Lakers, the Sixers are, that is, in terms of kind of gutting out some of their depth in exchange for a guy who can definitely raise their immediate ceiling, you know, um, or their immediate floor. That um, Am I getting that right? Oh, I, keep, I always mess up on the ceiling-floor conundrum. Ceiling is like how good you can be, right? And floor is how good you are off the top. Right. Yeah. Floor would be like on your worst night, you're still all right. And ceiling is what, what you're like on at your best. OK, so see, he Kyle Lowry, I think, would raise their ceiling. There we go. I said, it right. OK, right. see, look at that. We're getting some NBA terminology. I'm a little rusty, y'all. Thank you, Gary. Man. OK, so you have that. And like, 
it's it's different because for the 76ers, um, you're losing some of these young guys. And yeah, your future at this time, if you're saying, okay, we're going to build around, let's say we're going to extend to Kyle Lowry. We're going to try to see for the next two years how this core of Lowry, Simmons, and Embiid works. We're going to run it, you know, and see what happens. Rely on some veteran bio guys, some three, you know, some some um, aged vets who still have it, who want playing time, that sort of formula. If you're the Raptors, you're getting some more younger players. Maybe not win now guys like you would with the Lakers. Okay, maybe depending on what you feel about Danny Green and Mike Scott. But you're looking at Tyrese Maxey. You're looking at a guy like you said, a multi, uh, a Thibel, um, a Terrence Ferguson to a much lesser extent, uh, uh, maybe a 2021 first round pick unprotected or something of that sort. I, I have to ask you because I'm tr- I've been kind of battling this back and forth in my head. What do you think is the better deal? On its head, you go, okay, Philadelphia can just drop more draft picks, so that has to be valuable. But the quality of the Lakers pick in 2027 could be really good. And you're getting guys in, you know, let's say potentially KCP and uh, Montrose Howe who have shown more in their careers up to this point and are showing more this season as well. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I guess it depends uh, what Toronto is uh, is attempting to do. Are they trying to basically rebound immediately and, and try to get back into contention as soon as next season? Uh, if that's the case, I think that uh, that Lakers package is better. Um, but you know, if you're trying to if you're trying to compete and and be at your best, say in 2025, maybe getting maybe taking some swings on a maxi and a thibel uh, might be a, a better course of action. I, it all comes down to you know what Masai Ujiri and and the Raptors feel about their their current core. Obviously, they've got they've got a bunch of young guys in in Siakam, Van Fleet, and Ananobi. Uh, it's it's interesting. I think it's comparable, and 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 that's why I think this this whole idea of the Lakers being in this race is is gaining traction because yeah, it's uh, it's debatable which offer is better. Yeah, exactly. The fact that we even have this back and forth on that is interesting. But I have to ask you um, about some other offers potentially for for Lowry. Um, you could look at Miami. That's been talked about a little bit. Something around uh, whether or not Duncan Robinson and like Kelly Linick or uh, Andre Godala for salary um, would go for just Lowry. And whether that deal is pretty weak, which it seems to me, because apparently, according to multiple reports, the sticking point is Tyler Hero, who I get, but I don't. Like, uh, except for the playoffs, I don't think Tyler Hero has been like some premium blue chip asset like he's really good but how much do you value someone like Kyle Lowry if that's your sticking point when it comes to Kelly Linick, obviously for the money to work Duncan Robinson going to restricted free agency we've seen how shooters um like Joe Harris got paid last year um he's somebody that you know is a good shooter at this point that's pretty much what he is um but that is clearly I would say the weakest uh trade offer wouldn't you agree especially if Hero is not part of that package yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think that's going to really be what it comes down to. If if Miami wants him, uh, if, if if Miami wants Lowry, they're going to have to include Hero. And if they do that, I think immediately they jump to the top of the list. And if I'm Toronto, I I snap I uh, I jump on that because Hero I think is a is a great fit next to Ananobi and Siakam and Van Fleet. They 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 will need especially losing Lowry. They will need that on ball creation. I still am very high on Tyler Hero, even though he's had a, a an off year so far, shooting around 31% from three this season. But, uh, you know, he's got a good stroke. We saw in the bubble what he's capable of, and he's still incredibly young. So, uh, yeah, that that's going to be the sticking point. I don't think a, a package of a of a first-round pick and, say, Duncan Robinson is enough Mm-mm. for uh, – 
for Toronto. And, and frankly, you know, the, the issue that you've got to consider if you're Miami, I think Duncan Robinson is so crucial to, to what they do. And he was a big part of their success in the bubble, you know, when you play your, the Heat's best two players are Adebayo and Butler, who are both, you know, Adebayo's improved as a mid-range shooter, but neither of them are three-point specialists. So right away, you know, the, the Heat lacks spacing. And Robinson yeah. being not only a good shooter, but a great shooter, gives them the spacing that they need, despite the fact that their two stars are not the greatest marksmen from downtown. True, and that does create some of that, not only a versatility in the offensive end, but like a release valve to release some of the pressure from these guys. Like you said, their two best guys are limited shooters up to a certain point or, or extremely streaky, depending on how you feel about Jimmy Butler. And so, um, yeah, I think that that would be a major – if they're able to put, include Hero in that package, I think – well, I don't think. I, you're higher on Hero than I am. Like his potential is there, but I feel like – I just haven't seen enough, especially over the last month and a half, which, okay, extremely sample, small sample size theater. I totally understand that. But if we're looking at the playoffs, that was also the same. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like Hero's somewhere in the middle there. Now, if you're a Toronto for a 35-year-old expiring contract in, and uh, I mean, obviously the greatest rapper of all time, but the intangibles for Lowry, if you're looking at just on the court, getting Hero alongside, you know, matching salary, and, and that, that's that's a great haul. You can get that guy who's definitely young enough to build around around this existing core and who fits in or, you know, or potentially fits in right alongside them. Um, do you think this trade happens without Hero involved? I, I, I don't. I don't think okay. Miami can can get it done with without that. And, you know, I, I frankly think Toronto would be wise to not accept a package centered around Duncan Robinson. I mean, he, he would certainly make them – better in over the next couple of years, but then Robinson will eventually uh, be getting properly paid. And he doesn't, uh, he doesn't solve, I think a lot of the Raptors big issues, which, you know, again, with the departure of Lowry, a lot of playmaking responsibility is going to be on the shoulders of Van Fleet and Siakam. I think they need another guy that can, that can run pick and roll that can make plays. And, uh, you know, despite the fact that Robinson running off the ball is, you know, can, can be kind of a secondary creator in, in an off-ball role. He, he, he isn't a, a fit that, you know, he isn't a player that elevates them to a championship level over the next couple of years. Whereas, you know, you look at Tyler Hero, and, you know, I, I know you're, you just said you're not as high on him, but with his combination of ball handling, passing chops, ability to shoot the ball off the dribble, yes, again, he's, he's struggled to shoot this year, but I like his stroke. He shot well last year and in the bubble. Uh, I, I think he's got all of those building blocks that you need to to be a really good on-ball player in the league. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that, definitely. And, I, I mean, here's the thing. I'm with you because that's what – okay, if you're looking at the realized version of Hero, that's what he would have to be, right? Like, I don't see him as like a real like, – like, he's not going to be like an off-ball shooter that with some off the bounce. He's someone who can kind of take over some primary offensive initi- initiation, right? Yeah. Like, that's – I, I just – I don't know if that's where – okay. What I mean to say is do I think he can be like a productive player? Yes. Do I think he can be like that type of guy? Yes. But I don't know if I'm looking at that like, okay. Okay, here's a better question for you. Uh, let's say uh, conference finals contender. Can he be the second best player on that team? I mean, yeah, if we're talking five years from now. <laughs> like the real – oh, I get you. Yeah, we're like the real – because other than that, I just feel like he's a really good piece. But is he like the centerpiece? I don't know. 
I mean, I, I think a you know prime Tyler Hero in four or five years could be the second best player on a championship team. Yes, I think he's got that potential. Right now, no. But well, okay. uh, yes, See, he has yeah. that feeling. And I know that question doesn't exactly come off fair in that way because obviously he's not at all what he's going to be. But in my mind, you're you're making that move for someone in Lowry who immediately, I think, helps Miami out immensely. I mean, yes, he's not Duncan Robinson doesn't bring that, and your offense would definitely have a little bit of shrinkage there because even anyone on the mark on the bio market that's available isn't going to replicate what one of the best off-ball shooters will, you know. But at the same time, I think that Lowry, for the immediate needs of this team, which I mean, Jimmy Butler's 31, like. This 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 team has like a I would say a two three year window, and you're kind of maximizing that in my opinion if you get Lowry. Yeah, I as far as you know, I was thinking of it more from just Toronto's perspective. I would rather have Hero than Robinson, and yeah. you know Miami Miami is right to you know value the the young talent that they have on their roster. Given Bam is their second best player and he's in his early twenties. You know, the, this team, this franchise has an opportunity to compete for the next decade, even though, yes, you've got Dragic, you've got Jimmy Butler, who are, yes, win now guys. Uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, if you if your focus is just, OK, let's give ourselves the best shot to win a title in, in this year or next year. Yeah. Even, you know, swapping Tyler Hero for Kyle Lowry. Is, is an upgrade and would help their chances of, uh, of competing at the highest of levels. And I frankly think if they were able to hold on to Duncan Robinson and add Kyle Lowry, uh, you know, you talk about a, a lineup that includes Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, Duncan Robinson, Ooh, and Kyle yeah. Lowry. Just That's that nasty. top four is, is, yeah, it's filthy. What would you think about that compared to the Brooklyn Nets, which I think we all would agree are like the who's who right now of the team to beat? in the East at least. Yeah, it's, uh, it would be interesting. You know, you, as Miami, you get a little bit better in terms of being able to match up defensively because Lowry is a bulldog and he could maybe guard the likes of, uh, of, of Kyrie or James Harden at times. And then you've also got Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo to throw at, uh, at a guy like Kevin Durant. Yeah. So yeah, it, it certainly, it certainly would help. Would I think, would I push them up, you know, as a favorite above Brooklyn? Probably not. I mean, there's a reason this Heat team is, uh, you know, I think a game over 500 as we're having this conversation. Uh, there, there is, uh, and, and that's another interesting thing as we as we get further into this discussion, to talk about the teams that, you know, maybe coming into the year we thought as con- were contenders, but given their their disappointment or their disappointing season thus far, should they maybe prioritize future seasons as opposed to this year? I mean, and that's interesting. You're right. Like, where do you, uh, from a team perspective, kind of value that? And and I guess that's one of the many <laughs> interesting conversations that are being had right now in, in in NBA trade war rooms across the NBA right now. Because I don't know. And mind you, me and you, Garrett, have had discussions. A few about, you know, where teams fit, different trades and stuff like that. And uh, I don't know. I, I think maybe I'm uh, I'm not the person I thought I was in terms of being an expert there. But that does not stop me from trying. That's why I stay on Trade NBA. Um, with that being said, though, uh, final predictions for Lowry. Where do you see him going? Um, and do you have any, like, trades or anything you'd like to see? Ooh, that's that's uh, you're putting me on the spot. Okay. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. Listen, no, I didn't... no, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm all for it. I just gotta think about it here. I, so yeah. yeah, I'll give you mine while you think, if you like. 
Yeah, go for it. All right. I mean, mine is pretty simple. I'd like to see Lauren the Lakers, and I'm going to tell you why. I mean, right now, obviously, you do that, you're gutting your depth. You know, it's obviously Dennis Schroeder, Montrezl Harrell, or KCP to get Lowry. Is that worth it? In my mind, yes. You get a guy who, you know, can be a go-to offensive player for a little bit. I mean, yes, he, like, you know, run the ball through him kind of like an every-down-back type of player? No. But I think the offensive versatility that he brings, the elite shooting that he brings for a team that is one of the worst shooting teams in the NBA is great. Um, someone who can create off of the catch you know, playing alongside LeBron and AD when both are healthy. I mean, we've seen how he plays with dominant ball players like Kawhi Leonard a couple years ago. He's a versatile player who, on the offensive end, is almost like a chameleon in how he can blend in. You go from a DeMar DeRozan, you go to, you know, uh, Kawhi Leonard. You pick up this kind of scoring short guard platoon alongside of Fred Van Vliet with the Pascal Siakam. Like, Lowry's kind of done all of that. And I feel like, especially with his three-point shooting, how deep he can get it, his finishing, like, this is the guy you want if you can get him. If you can put the package together that makes that happen. Personally, I'd rather keep Montrez over Shooter and just and do Shooter and KCP because you got to give get rid of KCP. He's kind of the one piece that has to go unless you get rid of Shooter and Montrez. And if you're going to get Lowry, I think you would probably have to get that extension. If you get that extension to Lowry, are you looking at Shooter to come up the bench? Probably not. And with that being the case, I think that's what you do. Montrez sells some value. He's proven that. Someone who doesn't necessarily have to fit in alongside other than, like, dump the ball down. He's going to get his off of putbacks, pick and roll, things of that nature. So that would be what I would look at. Um, that being said, if that doesn't work out, and yes, I understand I have some purple and gold glasses on. If I take those off, um, I'm going to say Philadelphia. I mean, he's from there. It works out okay. Philadelphia realistically has the best young players and the picks that they could put together in a package that would be suitable for Toronto. Um, and I just think it makes more sense off the bat. And it's a, it's a great story, and I'm I'm a sucker for narrative, as we know from my MVP choices. So that that's my uh, that's my pick. Yeah. So yeah, I think Miami's on the outside looking in because I just don't see them including Hero in the package, and I also see Miami as a potential candidate to get buyout candidate Lamarcus Aldridge, and they might just be content with with Aldridge and Ariza as sort of their pickups at the deadline period. Uh, but uh, yeah, if, if I had to pick between, I think it's the, I think it's a battle between the Lakers and the Sixers, and I'm going to go the Sixers. Uh, I, I don't necessarily think mm-hmm. this would be the best move for Philadelphia. I actually have a fake trade for the Sixers that I, I'd like to, uh, to bring up. But um, you know, this is, you know, they are first in the East, even though their point differential doesn't represent the best team in the conference. Uh, you know, they. They have an opportunity here, and, and Lowry certainly is an upgrade over who they have, and uh, that that is their biggest weakness on this team is in the half court. They need another they need another creator that isn't Tobias Harris, and and obviously there's limitations in the postseason to you know posting up every time Joel Embiid in the half court. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with the Sixers, but I think the Lakers are are right there. Yeah, I'm with you, and you're right. That would be I mean the fit. I think it would be a much. Uh, it's weird because for Philadelphia. I mean, that'd be an interesting discussion. Where does Ben Simmons fit in? You know, Lowry's not, I mean, he's he can play um, kind of on ball, off ball, but like I, I look at him as someone I'd want with the ball in his hands more than Ben Simmons. And, I mean, that'd be a whole nother discussion for another like 45 minutes. But if that, something to dig into for sure. Would you like to hear my, uh, my fake trade for the Sixers? Um, yes, please, sir. Let's get it. Okay. So this might come a little bit out of left field and, uh, you know this this player has been this player has been rumored though in in trade in in trade conversations, but uh, Lonzo Ball to the uh, to the Ooh. Philadelphia 76ers for Mike Scott, 
Terrence Ferguson, Tyrese Maxey, and a 2021 first. Yo, I have not heard anything like that. I like that, though. I like so, that, though. Yeah, the, the Ooh, idea being, okay. you know, not only, I think a lot of people are really focused on Philadelphia winning this season, and I think this is a move just not for just for this year, but beyond, uh, given that then they could have uh, the control with, with Lonzo's restricted free agent rights. And it would be kind of a play on, you know, we're just going to go, um, we're, we're just going to, uh, you know, build up our strengths, even though we're not really addressing our weaknesses. You know, Lonzo is is similar to Ben Simmons in a lot of ways, where he's not a guy that you want handling the ball in the pick and roll that much, but he's a great passer, great transition player, versatile defender. Uh, you know, I, I like the idea of the Sixers just kind of saying, okay, we're a team that is really good in transition and half court. We're relying on Joel Embiid and defensively, we're going to be big and switchable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right. It plays to their strengths. Is that super size? It almost reminds me though, weirdly enough of last year's team. I mean, not in a clunky way because you know, you do have some similarities like you mentioned between Lonzo ball and Ben Simmons, but Lonzo been shooting a three at a great clip. You know, he's yes. one, he's a defensively imagine a lineup with him and Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid protecting the rim. Right. And That's you know, monstrous. as, as far as uh, as far as New Orleans is concerned, you know, if if they're wary about paying Lonzo Ball 18 to 20 million moving forward, you know, they can get a first round pick. They can get uh, a young player. Maybe maybe they could get both Maxi and and Thibel in in that deal for Lonzo. And you know, if you're David Griffin, you got to seriously consider it. Yeah, I think you do. And for back, back to Lonzo real quick, I just got to say, like, not only is he shooting 38% from three, but every season he's been in the NBA, he's increased his shooting percentage from out there. And you're right, going to uh, New Orleans, I think that they have to really reevaluate their core right now. If you're not winning games like you thought you would, mind you, a lot of that I think is just how, how clunky they are, Um, just the fit, especially when you're a Bledsoe in the backcourt. You have Steven Adams kind of gumming up the works in the front court, and I love Steven Adams. But, like, when you have that, it's weird. But if you're looking at this team, and okay, Zion, you know, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, we're supposed to be at a certain level and you're not there, then yeah, I can see you reassessing that. I would go even further and look at maybe the partnership between Ingram and Zion because you know Zion is the one untouchable. Ingram was close. You know, I had him. I was a little crazy first couple weeks of the season. I had uh, Ingram as an MVP, which I'm kind of embarrassed to say in retrospect. But anyway, um, <laughs> I mean, look at it. But anyway, looking back, it's like if you're taking the season right now, look at where you are you know, in the standings, looking where you more likely will end up being. And for the record, the Pelicans right now are 11th, uh, which is, you know, not too far out either direction, but still not super great. If you look at that and you say, I can get some younger players that can reevaluate, kind of keep mixing, see what fits, what works with this core and kind of commit to youth movement for this season and kind of continue for next year, you're getting a few players in Terrence Ferguson who's still pretty young in Tyrese Maxey in a pick, like you mentioned, you know, and some other guys salary wise that you could look at it and evaluate for the rest of the season. So, I like it. That look at you, Garrett. You that was that's a sneaky trade. You should put that up on the uh, on the Twitter account. We got we got to get that got to give that to the people. Yeah, a couple more things I like about that for Philly is that uh, you know one of the things I don't like about a potential Lowry deal is they have to give up Danny Green, who I think is crucial to what they've been doing this season. Yeah. And, yeah. and in this package, they can get ball without sacrificing one of their starter starting wings. Um, and then, and then also, you know, if you are a team that is going to be reliant on posting up Joel Embiid, uh, it's it's pretty nice to have multiple guys on the perimeter in Ben Simmons and Lonzo Ball that are uh, great passers, great entry passers at that. Yeah, 
No, you're right. And that's someone that can get the ball to him, that's someone that's reliable. You're not going to worry about too much in pick and roll, which is great because not so much um, Lonzo's strength, the half court, but he can make a simple entry pass, get to the weak side, hit a three, keep the ball moving, be more of a play connector. And that also can keep some of the ball in Ben Simmons' hands where he apparently is more comfortable with. So you kind of keep some of the identity of the Sixers, like you said, signaling their strengths, not really f- fixing their weaknesses, but kind of accentuating how they already play. Exactly. And, and yeah, you, you brought up a great point about New Orleans and, and them sitting in 11th in the West standings that, uh, yeah, they're, they're a team that, uh, you know, should recognize that, you know, we're, we've got a, we've got a young core, our, our two stars and Zion and Ingram are very young. We should be playing for, you know, 2025 as opposed to now. And if you can get some assets, if you don't feel like Lonzo Ball is a part of your future, uh, which which I think is debatable. I think he's shown enough as a shooter that maybe Griffin should consider him as a part of their future. But if if he's ma- if he's come to that decision, yeah, get what you can for him. And you know it's uh, we're we're seeing a, a few teams uh, having to ask themselves these questions, including a team with with a guy in Harrison Barnes, the Sacramento Kings, a team that uh, you know is is still seemingly fighting for the playoffs, even though. If you look at the standings, they're they're kind of out of the race. Yeah, yeah. I, the fact that the Kings are even considering hanging around is just, I, I, I don't know. I, it's crazy. It's crazy to think about. Like, it don't make any sense to me considering where they are and the fact that they would benefit the most from offloading some of their guys who, at best, are you going to, if you make the playing game, are we looking at Sacramento as the team to, to win that? Uh, if they make to the eighth seed? They're going to get walloped. Like, like there's no ceiling on this team right now, uh, right now as they are, as a win now. There just isn't. Um, I, I don't understand it. And so you have issues of, of Bagley. Apparently Bagley couldn't even be moved for Sadiq Bay, um, which I'm glad. I mean, Detroit isn't dumb and, and not doing it. I'm just saying, like, you look at the trade value of a guy like that. You look at guys you can focus on um, with your youth, get rid of guys that are just there, you know, you mentioned Harrison Barnes, you mentioned Corey, I mean, you didn't mention it, but I'm mentioning Corey Joseph, guys like that who could be used on other teams. Um, you could even start to consider moving a guy who I actually like, uh, uh, Rashawn Holmes, who, while, you know, a very, very solid player, is 27, is not probably going to be on the next great iteration of this team. Maybe you could find a move with him on the Mavericks or something like that. So you look at the, the Kings right now, I'm seeing what? Hassan Whiteside, Harrison Barnes, Rashawn Holmes, Nemanja Bielitsa. I mean, maybe if the price is right, I might be looking at Buddy Hield. And when the price is right, I'm not saying, like, he's going to take some godfather offer. I'm just saying, like, he's not untouchable either on this roster. The only guys I'd be looking at that I would not move on any circumstances would be the backcourt, Darren Fox and Tyrese Halliburton. Right. And, yeah, it was uh, earlier today on the, the, the Zach Lowe, Adrian Wojnarowski, a trade deadline special. Zach Lowe had a... Uh, had a fake trade with uh, with Harrison Barnes, a guy that yeah, I think they should they should be looking to looking to trade because he's not on the timeline of those two guys you just referenced. Uh, but the the trade low uh, mentioned was Harrison Barnes to the Celtics for Aaron Nesmith, a top ten protected first round pick and a second round pick. And if I'm Sacramento. I would be, you know, <laughs> over the moon to to make that deal. Not only do I, you know, I, I'm also pretty high on Nesmith. I was uh, high on him going into the draft, but he's a guy that in a few years could be at the caliber of a Harrison Barnes. Is that the expected outcome? Maybe not, but I think he's got that potential. And 
you know, you also get a, a first round pick. Uh, they, they've got to uh, get some young pieces to build around those core two players that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And, and what better time to do it than now when, yeah, you're you're in the 13th spot in the West right now. You've got to get to 10 just to get an opportunity to win two exactly. consecutive games to make the playoffs. Uh, I, I would much rather see Sacramento go in the opposite direction, as you said, trade away the likes of, of Holmes and Bialica and Barnes, get what you can, and drop back in the standings and make your own first-round pick as good as possible to just continue to build that, uh, that, young, uh, that young group. Exactly, and that's kind of where you have to consider it because that is at least a plan of attack that actually makes sense. You know, I mean, you can't even say, okay, if we go for the plus right now, we're really getting our guys some real, like, dev- like that's not happening. It's just not something that's going to happen. So, like, to have that as an option right now, it's it kind of ludicrous in my mind. Um, You know, and the Kings have been treading water at best. They have some, some you know, good young pieces. A lot of their vets, I really think, especially, you know, you're holding out guys like Harrison Barnes and stuff. And, and the funny thing is, this was uh, according to uh, Sacktown Royalty. I want you to react to this real quick. Um. Uh, Garrett, but apparently this was um, Chris Mannix had said that um, on Twitter, um, Boston's attention continues to be on Aaron Gordon with likelihood of a deal for Harrison Barnes fading. The Kings have no interest in selling low on Barnes, believing he can be a key piece for a playoff push next season. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just delusional. The organization, <laughs> uh, the organization with uh, Vivek Ranadive has just been delusional the entire time all the way dating back to uh, Vivek thinking that uh, Buddy Heald was the next Steph Curry. <laughs> they, yeah, uh, yeah, they, yeah. Uh, oh, what the, a day that was. The, the organization drafting Marvin Bagley over Luka Doncic. I mean, that is uh, arguably the worst draft pick of all time. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you talk about the rest of the top five even. DeAndre Ayton is shown to be a solid starter. Uh, the Jaron Jackson Jr. at four for Memphis is better than Bagley. Trey Young at at uh, at five is better than Bagley. So not only did they they pass on an MVP level player in Luka Doncic, a generational player in Doncic, they also took the worst guy out of the top five by far. Yeah, and here's the thing: I feel bad because Bagley in concept, like. I don't know, a productive big who can stretch the floor a little bit, more offensive-minded, definitely not the second pick. I mean, I feel like he gets a lot of heat because he's not Luka Doncic. But the problem is, like you said, when you run down the the top five, he's not Luka Doncic or number four or number five. Like, I, you know, it's just a classic case of bad drafting, and injuries didn't help with that. But, like, the realized version of Marvin Bagley, I, I don't know what that is for a team. And it sucks that, you know, right now you can't move him for anything. And a lot of that stigma, like we said, is just according to the optics of what ended up happening. But also, he's just not, like, a foundational player, at least, right now. Right, yeah. He he was a flawed prospect from the get-go. You know, he was a guy that didn't have the size or the rim protection instincts to, to be a good defensive center. He didn't have the ball handling or shooting to be a good offensive four. So, yeah, he... Yeah, it, it, it is debatable what even the, the best version of this guy even is. Uh, so, so yeah, that, that is a problem. The, the one guy I do see Sacramento offloading in part because he hasn't played that much. He hasn't been a, a key part of their rotation, and he's, he's older. He's old enough that, that they, can, they can actually convince themselves and say he's not a part of our future, and that's uh, Bielitsa. 
he's a guy that I could see go. And I don't know if it would require that much as far as an asset, maybe just a second round pick from somebody to get him. That's exactly what I was thinking as soon as you said that. Like, you know, the guys, you know, played, what, 16 minutes a game, uh, not shooting well from three, not doing a whole lot, not part of, I mean, just name it, and he's not that for the Kings right now. But in concept, you know, a big man with some playmaking ability at spots, with some stretchiness in theory, you know, he's a career 38% three-point shooter, um, just under two assists a game, but he has some playmaking chops, just in limited amounts. There's not much that you're looking for from him, but there's not much that you need for a role player to stretch the floor and maybe make a play, you know, off the catch occasionally, like just a, a ball connector, a play connector in that way. And that's the realized version of Manya Belitz. Now, whether a lot of that is due to just being on the Kings this year, kind of being out of the rotation, he's gotten back in over the last like eight games or so. Um, but in general, if you're looking at that, at that player, he could fit on a lot of teams, you know, you, you could fit on the 76, you could fit on, you know, the, there's a bunch of contenders that could use a guy like Bielitsa. Um, And you're right. The price that he can be had for is very, very low just because of his own value right now. And, yeah, you hope that on a better team, he kind of gets a little bit of an inner resurgence on his own. Um, and then he's in an environment where, you know, the shots are easier to come by. His role is a lot more clearly defined. Um, he's not in Sacramento, and it works out well. But, yeah, he's someone that you, we can most assuredly uh, agree is going to be moved by this trade deadline, if anyone is in Sacramento at all. Yeah, a team that, uh, you know, that I that I think would be an interesting destination for him and and I I think of Bielitz as and I should we should mention Corbin former EuroLeague MVP Nemanja oh, Bielitz. Put some respect on his name, my mistake. Exactly, but <laughs> uh, you know he's a guy that I think might be an interesting fit on the Jazz as a guy that uh, I think he's better than like a a, a George Niang because Bielitz I think has a little bit more passing vision, passing skill, and off the bounce ability mm-hmm. than than Niang. So. He could be an interesting fit in Utah if they want to upgrade that, you know, whatever Niang is, their their ninth man. Yeah, and they did, didn't they just get Ursan and Silva a little bit too? They did. So yeah, it probably you have won't a nice happen little because t- that's yeah. probably the the guy that they think is the upgrade there. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would available. like uh, I would like be elites on Utah. No, no, I'm not. I was saying I just say like in terms of like maybe a possible like backcourt kind of big tandem, like a four or five defensively. I'm not super excited about that prospect, but <laughs> like like offensively, let's say you're trying to supercharge a lineup, you know, get a ultimate floor spread around a Donovan Mitchell and just go to work over there. I mean, in theory, that makes a lot of sense. And you're right. I think that by getting Ilyasova, they've already feel they made that adjustment. But if he's available to be had and would go there, I mean, why not? Like that would be a you know, like a, like a lineup cracker on the offensive end. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, he has the – Bielitsa has the most value on teams. And, and you know, you, you talk about a team like Philadelphia. It was funny because he originally made that uh, – he signed a contract with the Sixers that boycotted it uh, a few years back. But, uh, you know, he would be a decent, uh, a decent fit as like a Mike Scott um, upgrade. And, and a, another guy that I think he he uh, has the most value on a team that maybe doesn't have that dominant perimeter guy. It's more a, uh, you know, it's a egalitarian style offense mm-hmm. and, you know, just the ability to, to shoot the three, to put the ball on the floor and make the next play. Uh, he, he would be a good fit on on a decent amount of teams. No, I agree. That skill set, I mean, that's like the wings in general. We just mentioned KCP earlier. It applies to a lot. And so you're right. That would that would blend in really well. Um, do you have any more thoughts on the Kings before we uh, go on to Aaron Gordon? Because that's going to be fun. 
No, uh, yeah, I, I just think it's going to be relatively, unfortunately, it's going to be relatively quiet. And, and yeah, it's disappointing because it would be really fun to see Harrison Barnes on, on one of these contenders. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, Boston been talked about, but I think there's a few that would have worked. And, I mean, look, if you look at how well he's played, I mean, people were deriding that contract, and, yeah, it's a lot. But at this point, it's someone who's still valuable. If only Sacramento could get out of their own way and make the move that would be beneficial for them long term. But, I mean, the Kings are going to be Kings, as they say. It's something that's been happening for a while. Yeah. But um, going over to Aaron Gordon, I mean, the guy's been – Orlando got magic, what, seven years now. I'm still just 25 uh, should be a two-time dunk champion in my mind. But um, looking at the actual play on the floor for Aaron Gordon, um, he is available. Um, there's been some talk about him, you know, kind of walking that back once he realized that he could potentially be dealt to Minnesota um, and chalking it up to frustration. But at the same time, you have a lot of teams that have reached out, um, you know, asking for um, for interest uh, in, in Aaron. You have Boston, Denver, Portland, Houston, Minnesota, and Golden State. All of those teams with interesting fits, and I kind of want to go by each one with you briefly here. We could start with what I think is actually the most interesting team, kind of work our way backwards, but Golden State. Um, what do you think uh, about uh, Aaron Gordon fit in Golden State? Before I, I even give a hand over the you know the baton to you here, you know the the trade I, I guess including Gordon would probably have to include Kelly Oubre and Eric Pascal and maybe a, a, a kind of a array of picks. Uh, whatever that would be, whether that is that coveted Minnesota pick or whatever the case is there. I doubt that would happen, but it's possible. Um, in general, what do you think of the fit, potential package? Aaron Gordon to Golden State until today was not something that was even on my radar. Yeah, uh, it's it's a fine fit. I don't think it's a terrific fit. You know, that, that team, especially with, with Steve Kerr's offense, they like to do a lot of movement off ball. They like to, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of passing. You know, those aren't exactly Gordon's strengths. And, you know, they also I think one of one of the things that Gordon is really good at is kind of being what would be like in the, the Draymond Green role offensively, where he sets the screen and rolls to the rim with shooting surrounding him. I think that would be the ideal sort of role for Gordon if he was if if you're talking about him competing on a championship team. So, yeah, maybe you can get enough value with Gordon and, and Green sort of staggering staggering those two guys and so Gordon then becomes the the green role when when Draymond is is on the bench but yeah it's a fine fit and and yeah you know with the way Ubre has played although you know he, he got off to a rough start but I've actually liked how he's looked the last couple of months uh you know do you sacrifice losing Ubre and also as you mentioned probably a pick or two that it would take to get Gordon is is Gordon good enough for all of that I probably would say no Oh my gosh! I'm uh, oh my gosh! I'm muting myself again. It happens once a show. Jeez, Louise. <laughs> Sorry, Gary. That's all right. I, I didn't I, want to talk in case it was still. Rude. Oh yeah, I might. Uh, that part's gonna get edited. Okay, here we are. Fun, fun. We had to get it somewhere. Okay, so going back to what I going off from, I was saying <laughs> that you made some excellent points. And that I am rusty, y'all. I was saying that you made some excellent points. Ultimately, no, that pick is nowhere near what we're looking for um, in terms of how that pick may convey and comparing that to Aaron Gordon, the player. That just doesn't add up to me at all. But going to a team that is interesting in my mind would be the Portland Trailblazers and how that even fits. And, and what do you think about that to begin with, Garrett? And I'm going to you as the Blazers expert here. Um, I'm sure you kind of thought about this uh, from the moment the package was kind of brought up but like do you think Portland has enough do you think that that fit is what Portland needs uh what are we looking at there yeah it's it's interesting you know that 
again on that uh, that Woj Lowe special, uh, Zach Lowe brought up that that potentially Gary Trent Jr. was on the block, oh. uh, which which really surprised me to hear. And and yeah, maybe that is in in those uh, those Gordon talks. The the Magic are probably saying, you know, we we need uh, Gary Trent Jr. back in this deal. And I'm not sure if I do that if I'm Portland again. Like Gary Trent Jr. is a really good player right now, also really young. They uh, they have him under contract, and he'll be a restricted free agent, so they'll have uh, control team control. So, you know, if it involves Trent Jr., I absolutely do not do it. If they can if they can find another way to to uh, to do it, uh, you know. Also, Nasir Little has looked really good as of late. He has he has? He's starting to uh, to show that uh, you know he can hit the three. He's also incredibly long and athletic. Uh, that was you know his his two best traits coming out of the draft, and and he'll he'll surprise players on the defensive end, getting blocks from behind. Uh, he he's he's another interest intriguing guy that I'm not sure if I'm Neil O'Shea, especially given that again he's on a, a great contract for the next couple of years. I'm not sure if he's a guy that I want to to give up either. So if if Portland can somehow manage this and 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 get Gordon for mostly a pick package, uh, a draft asset package, and not have to give away that young talent, those young wings, whether that's Jones Jr., Little or Trent Jr., then yeah, I think Gordon would be a nice, a nice addition. You know, they could they could use you can always use more wings in the NBA, and they could also use a guy I think Gordon has the strength to at times and against certain matchups play the small ball five, which would be which would be ex- exceedingly valuable for this Blazers team. So so yeah, I like Gordon on the Blazers, but but yeah, I, I question how much they'd have to give up to get him, and I, I definitely question giving up Gary Trent Jr. to get it done. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of bullish on Gary Trent. I think he's going to get a massive offer in free agent or restricted free agent this year, as it is. Um, if you get rid of him, yeah, like I guess the versatility of Gordon on that team, especially with like a CJ and a Day, I mean that, that that sounds tantalizing. However, you're right. Again, it's just like Golden State. Is it worth the cost of that? And you go from a prized pick to a really productive player who is what 21 and already showing some signs of something other than just being a very good three and D guy. Um, I don't know. It's cost for pots. I mean, you get a little more health, I guess, in your front court, but that's not saying a whole lot considering what your front court's been over the last couple of years. Um. And his athleticism would shine, especially in transition. But, again, I don't know if it's worth that cost. So that's something that's interesting, but ultimately I don't see going through. Um, it's something to think about. And I guess if you like look at the rotation, it would kind of help balance it out. But like you said, Nasir Lewis played well. It's not a pressing need. It's just something that's cool. Now, here's a team we really don't got to spend a whole lot of time on, Houston. Um, I, why is Houston doing this, Garrett? Because I don't see it. I don't think Aaron wants to be there. I don't know why Houston will want it. I mean – at this point, they should be going to rebuild. And while Gordon is only 25, I mean, he's square in the middle for a team that should be looking to offload, you know, John Wall and others over the next couple of years. Yeah, Houston in general, both with who they're trying to trade and who they're trying to trade for is just incredibly confusing. You know, there's 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 rumors that, uh, as you said, that they're trying to trade for Aaron Gordon. They're also trying to trade away Victor Oladipo. And, and I don't get the what is the team that is trading for Victor Oladipo for the right to pay him 25 plus million dollars a year, given how poorly he has looked uh, 
uh, or poor, poorly he has played, I should say, mm-hmm. uh, this season. And, you know, also at the end of last season, he, he did not look good. He has not been the same player since that uh, that quad injury. So, yeah, I don't know who the, the trade suitor is to, to offer that first-round pick and a good young player that the Rockets are asking for for Oladipo. And then I also don't get their interest in Gordon because, you know— they're, look at the, the losing streak that they just recently finished. Uh, this team is one of the worst teams in the NBA. They should be in a uh, rebuilding mode after getting rid of James Harden, and yet they're going to trade for Aaron Gordon, a guy in his mid-20s who's got one season left, and then will probably ask for a big contract. I mean, he does nothing but get you into that uh, sort of 8-10 to 10 seed mediocrity in the Western Conference at best. Yeah, you should be trying to avoid that at all costs. And, like, I guess for Orlando, from what I mean, you said, like, as far as Oladipo, they more than likely would want to move him again. But you're just complicating things by, you know, going there for what exactly from Houston. And for Houston, it doesn't make any sense. Like, we already mentioned just the fit of Gordon there. Um, and, and, I mean, that might have been a great trade to have done last year, you know, committing the small ball and kind of having him as, like, that 4-5 or five kind of guy. Like, looking at that with Harden and Westbrook, I mean, that's a fantasy now, but it's that's fun to think about. But um, this team, especially with the way they've been playing on both sides, no, that's not something you do at all. And I find it dubious that – I feel like me and you kind of go into this game. We've talked – you know, we've done this – just talked a while about ball um, in general. And it's like, we talk about some moves that happened in the past or team constructions happened in the future. We're like, why? Like, like uh, just to be a fly in the wall of these like front offices when they say, okay, you know, that's the guy we want. But like, take a moment and think about like, why is that the guy you want? You know, because the, the past, present, future of the Rockets, well not past, but the present and future of the Rockets, I don't see it where Eric Gordon fits in that that makes any sense. And if you're taking him to then parlay him off for additional picks and stuff, then I guess that makes more sense, even if it's more complicated. Like, oh, we're going to make the trade with Orlando to get rid of Oladipo, but then they're going to move Oladipo when they get him, and we're going to move Gordon when we get him. Like, that just makes it more confusing. Um, yeah, in short, I, I just don't see that being a very good trade offer. And, I mean, Orlando Pinstripe Post had a, a nice um, little um, uh, article about, like, where these players, like, what teams would be making these trades like how what kind of trade package what would be the most realistic and on the one hand it's like there really isn't one i mean you don't really have a whole lot i mean what draft capital possibly but like what kind of players are you gonna give and really are you've been showcasing them on a 20 game losing streak or something so like you know it's just not it's not the look it's not the look um, but going from a team that it isn't to a team that it possibly is. Well, quickly, then, Corbin, Corbin, yes. just just one more comment about about Houston. Oh, yeah. Move on. Okay. Uh, you know they that that whole this whole conundrum that they they find themselves in where they're trying to offload Oladipo is because they they chose to essentially after the Harden trade make an additional move where they traded Levert for Oladipo, and. You know, now they, they, they also offered that extension to Oladipo to pay him two years. I think it was a $45 million offer. Mm-hmm. And Karis LeVert was sitting on their roster for Yo. two years and basically $36 million. I would yeah. much rather have Karis LeVert. I think he's a better player than Oladipo right now for nine less million. And yeah. They they make this decision and now they you know they they throw that extension offer he declines now they're trying to trade him I mean if they were trying to trade Karis Levert I think they would be having a lot more success and would probably be fielding a lot better offers 
Exactly. I mean, that's one that's always going to get me. I mean, I guess if you were looking at it from the money perspective as to why they didn't want to take on Karis LeVert long term, but even then, 26 and for a couple of years, instead of someone who's 28 going on, 29, I mean, who we've seen he's not the same, you had a chance to showcase him. That worked out terribly. I mean, even if you were trying to do the old showcase and ship, you know, you would have had better luck doing that with Karis LeVert than you've had at any point with Oladipo. And we can see that because the results right now. So you're right. Like, of an ill-timed trade made a couple months before that didn't make sense even when it happened. I mean, it was like, oh, okay, maybe we can look at Oladipo and uh, I guess the wow factor as something on The Athletic said between Wall, Oladipo, and Wood. But th- what was the ceiling for that? It was never going to be 6th, you know what I mean? Like, it was confusing from the jump, and you're right. They made a bad play. They lost out terribly, and now they're trying to make up for it, and it, it just isn't smart. Yeah, I don't I don't see what the team is that will offer both a first round pick and a young player because conceivably that team would 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 have to then think that okay, we're in we're in win now mode and Victor Oladipo can put us over the top, but who's thinking that? And then also, yeah. you know, that team would also have to have a lot of confidence that Oladipo as an unrestricted free agent would then re-sign at a reasonable contract. And given that he's already declined all of these, you know, big value extensions, uh, I don't think his next contract is going to be reasonable. Yeah, it just it just isn't. I, I don't know. And I guess that's a whole other discussion as far as, and I guess we could just kind of go into it right now before we even kind of, it's a weird aside, but why not? Um, Oladipo, like, what, if you look at him right now, you're most certainly, you saw the extension he turned on from Houston. You know that you're most certainly getting a rental unless you're Miami. If you're Miami, I don't really see why you want to put the whole farm out or even anything close to it for Oladipo, knowing that he fits in as like another solid piece. He's not your A1 star type guy, or even your AB or your B or your C. You know, he's, I mean, I guess that's where you'd settle in behind Butler and, and Adebayo. Does he even feel that that's his type of play? You know, like he's just enough of an off-ball shooter that that can kind of work. At the same time, he wants to be on-ball more. We've seen him play off-ball. We saw that in OKC, um, most notably, you know, a couple of years back. But since then, he's had a lot more success on ball. And I think with that has come the expectation, at least from him, that he is this, like, upper-tier star that he just clearly hasn't shown. Yeah, he's, you know, he's a player that, uh, you know, had one season where he was third-team All-NBA, was terrific, and I, I believe it was 2017 with the Pacers, was was absolutely phenomenal on the ball. He showed elite athleticism. He started hitting the, the pull-up jumpers as well, uh, a la, you know, one of your favorite guys in Russell Westbrook. But <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but but like Russ, when, when he's lost a little bit of that athleticism, isn't that same explosive athlete, you know, he, he continues to play the exact same way, and he hasn't developed those those other skills like the off-ball shooting, the the cutting, and, and those sorts of things that can help him be a co- complementary player. So yeah, the you know he he just hasn't found a way to to impact winning basketball as evidenced by his uh, his recent play with the Rockets. True. What do you think his his trade market is? I mean, you've heard, of course, stuff about Miami. You've heard stuff from New York. Um, realistically speaking, I mean, there's been like even some whispers from L.A. I'm talking about the Lakers here. Um, like, where does he fit here realistically? I just I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if if you're asking me, if I was a GM, I mean, I yeah. would not be I would not be even offering a young player that I liked for Oladipo. Uh, that that's how little I value him, especially, again, given that he is either a rental or probably a guy that's going to be overpaid on his next contract. So uh, 
We, we've seen it, though, before, Corbin, that uh, mm-hmm. it only takes one team in a 30-team <laughs> league to always one. to potentially think that, oh, we saw what he did in 2017. We maybe have some uh, some reason to believe that he can get back to that level if he gets uh, with our medical staff. So, yeah, it only takes one. But right now, you know, again, if you're asking me if I'm running a team, uh, I certainly wouldn't be offering much at all of value. In fact, I, 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 uh, I have a hard time trading for a guy like that at this stage and, and, and give any value in return at all other than just expiring contracts. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, <laughs> it's it's who will be the uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers to Andre Drummond uh, from the 2020 trade line. <laughs> but even that was only a second-round pick. That is true. I guess, I mean, like, just in terms of the, the fit not making any sense, but no, you're right. Like, even then, the, the, the cost for that was the, the was low, the buy-in. So you're right. It's going to be, again, this is going to be some of the fun of it. We know for almost a near certainty if anyone is moved this off this, this, this trade deadline, it's most certainly going to be Oladipo. I am really interested in what team that's going to be and, like you said, what the package is. Because it's going to tell a lot about the team front office, both in where they expect to be, who, where they evaluate Oladipo, and how they evaluate the young talent that they're giving up in exchange for that, if they are. So it's, it's just – it's a lot of fun um, on that end. But uh, back to Aaron Gordon, because I do want to talk about – um, his fit with the Denver Nuggets and where that goes. And I know that you might have some thoughts on that, but uh, that's a, you have some picks and players, Denver does, that can make that work. You have Gary Harris or Will Barton. You have Bull Bull. You have your own first rounder. You could swap a later first rounder. You have RJ Hampton if you really want to get crazy with it. Like, you got some guys that I think would work not only for Orlando in terms of getting Gordon off while getting some young talent, but also replacing that shooting guard that Orlando is probably going to lose when it comes to Evan Fournier. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Denver has, has needed that, uh, that replacement for Jeremy Grant after he left in the off season. And, and yeah, I think Gordon would be a decent fit. They Denver desperately needs a guy that, uh, you know, they don't need great, like help defense. They've got that in, in guys like Harris and, and also Paul Millsap excels at that. They need just a wing that can body up the Kawhi Leonard's, the LeBron Jameses of the world, and and make sure that he that they don't just get completely eviscerated by those guys. Uh, that uh, you know he he holds up enough that they can send a late double or just limit their fish those stars efficiency enough. So so yeah, I like the fit. It all again depends on the price. Uh, if I'm Denver, I do not include Michael Porter Jr. in, no. in any deal. I, I think he's a guy that they they. Uh, hopefully are, are going to keep. And, you know, I, I also like uh, Jamichael Green to stay on this team. I think if you lose Green, you, you lose a little bit too much of that front court depth. Uh, and so, yeah, big question is, you know, with the salary matching, you've probably, you have to include one of Harris or Barton. And it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting debate if you're Denver, uh, who you would who you would give up in that situation because obviously Barton is is more of the the offensive guy the good shooter he can be a secondary playmaker whereas Gary Harris you know against the elite guards that they might have to face come postseason he is uh, he is excellent as we saw in that game seven of that uh, Denver Utah series last year so yeah, so yeah. Corbin I'm going to put you on the spot if you're Uh-oh. Denver would you rather include Harris or Barton in a deal to acquire Gordon. I would say Barton. Um, the reason I say Barton, one, Harris is younger. You can hope that he can kind of reclaim some of that uh, spark and potential he had before. Two, if you get rid of Barton, you kind of get rid of any um, like simmering tension that's been there between the small forward position with him and um, 
uh, Porter. And I think that you, you're getting rid of an older player in Barton, too. I mean, you're getting a guy in Aaron Gordon who gives that injection of youth, definitely solidifies your starting five, and then you bank on Gary Harris just returning um, to some measure of form that he's had before. Uh, and I think for me, that's not even like that. That for me is a pretty straightforward decision on my end. You like Will Barton. You like the pop that he brings. He's done well for Denver. But at this point in time, I mean, he's not willing to move on off the bench at this point. And guess what? Like it or not, that's where he's going to eventually have to be on this Denver team, unless of course Harris is moved. So yeah, I would I would just go with Barton. Um, maybe throw in a first rounder. You could pick up uh, between uh, Hampton or Bo Bowl, and I would be very uh, hard pressed to let go of Hampton. And then we kind of go from there. Yeah, I mean, um, if I'm Denver to to get to get Gordon, especially if you're not throwing in like multiple first, if you only have to throw in one, I, I would be fine. If I'm Denver of of, of uh, including Hampton and Bowl. Okay. Uh, again, you know, to avoid uh, an extra first or especially uh, Michael Porter Jr. being involved. Oh, yeah. Uh, but no. yeah, I, I probably agree with you on, as far as that uh, that uh, that Barton Harris decision. But I think it's closer than you might think. Again, uh, you know, playoff teams at times the Nuggets struggled offensively, despite the brilliance of Jokic and Murray, in part because guys like Gary Harris were left open and just couldn't hit shots. And, you know, Barton, at the very least, is a guy that you just can't leave wide open. He'll make teams pay. So there, there is an argument that you would, you would rather throw in Gary Harris and go as Denver for more of just, we're just going to be an unbelievable offense that just yeah. can't be stopped. But, you know, yeah, I, I probably agree with you. But I think it's a tougher call than, uh, uh, it's a tough call for that Denver front office. I think it's tough. I mean, I get your point, and I, I, I guess you're probably right. I am just kind of on a different lens there when it comes to that evaluation. But like, yeah, at some point you have to at least look at it hard. Um, and if you look at Aaron Gordon, I mean, you're getting a guy in. If you look at Aaron Gordon, if you look at Denver, if you look at what Gordon's potential role would be, you already have your pecking order. You have Nikola Jokic. You have Jamal Murray. While you kind of figure out where Michael Porter Jr. is, you know, you can figure out where Gordon is. Defensively, you know, Gordon can kind of help out with his athleticism there. Um, He's been playing on tough defenses, uh, relatively tough with Orlando. You have a bigger body that can, uh, you know, stick some of these guys uh, like on the Clippers, like on the Lakers. You know, like a better, I don't want to say a better version of Jeremy Grant, but like a similar version of that. Uh, I'll be with some more athleticism, some more bounce, and uh, admittedly a little more playmaking. Right, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, you know, his his three-point shooting this year, Gordon at, at around 40%. That's something Very to good. keep an eye on. I mean, obviously that's, that's a career high for him, and that would be huge if he could maintain that with Denver, especially in the postseason. Because again, I think if, you know if he's if he's traded to the Nuggets, he's going to get a ton of open shots, uh, given how much defenses have to focus in and, and try to slow down Jokic and and Murray. So yeah, it, it would be it would be a really nice move for Denver. I've felt all year that especially once they lost Grant, that they are a piece or two away. Um, the the other the other issue though with losing a uh, a Will Barton in that deal is you talk about uh, Mike Malone has liked to keep Jokic and Murray on the floor together and not really stagger those guys because they have such great chemistry in the pick and roll. But that puts even more pressure on those second units to create offense, the, the likes of Monte Morris. And, and just having Will Barton has, has made that a lot better 
for for this uh, this 2021 Nuggets team. So losing him, they certainly would have a, a bit of a gap there. But uh, mm, yeah, but, you, uh, you also have to consider when you if you if you trade Gary Harris, the the loss of perimeter defense. You know, he's really their only elite guard defender on the roster. So uh, unless you're a big fan of five uh, eight Facundo Campazzo. No, no. I mean, and Tim Dance, he may be not what I'm looking at. <laughs> no, I'm playing. <laughs> and someone who can definitely uh, uh, Composite's interesting, but I'm just messing around. Um, no, I, I guess I'm just low on Barton in terms of their long-term ceiling. I just don't see like yes, Barton has been impactful for Denver up to this point, including here, but like he doesn't seem to be willing to kind of see that role long term. And like I don't see him locked in as a starter long term. I just don't. And I feel like if you can get a chance to get a good player and, and, and keep it like, yeah, you might have a, a slight dip because of what Barton, you know, I'm understanding his importance there possibly but like long term you're clearly establishing that pecking order you know and you're clearly going with not more of a youth movement but someone who fits more of that timeline um you know what aaron gordon's 25 nicole Jokic 25 um murray 23 and then you have um what porter jr like 21 or 22 you know you go with that and you have a guy in will barton who like yeah good but if he's not going to be like that calming kind of not calming presence but that steady presence off the bench which i think is going to be his more um like, his future role, he's 30 already. Like, I just don't know. He's not going to get any better. You know what I mean? Can he sustain this level? Is that what's going to be needed for Denver? I, I just feel a lot more questions that I wouldn't have to answer if I could get it here in Gordon, you know? Yeah, and, and you make a great point that especially a team like Denver. Also, you know, what I mentioned earlier with, with Philly in that uh, fake Lonzo trade is – it, it is it is a great move for them uh, given their their young core if they can make a deal that improves their presence their present and also you know is a guy that whoever they acquire is a guy that can be on their team for the foreseeable future and can grow with their with their young group exactly and that should be something that they look at of importance if they make any moves because i mean denver has been kind of treading water they definitely need to do something you don't want to like upset the chemistry there but yeah if you're if you're going there come with that clear focused and i agree with you that there that's that's one way of doing that um one um one 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 other team too uh we've got to keep an eye on corbin i don't know if you heard this news but mark stein tweeted this uh, earlier today that uh minnesota is also in the running for Aaron Gordon. Another situation like with uh, <laughs> with oh um, Houston going for Gordon, and you're wondering why. Uh, Stein stated that uh, Minnesota had what one source termed serious trade talks in late January for uh, for Aaron Gordon before a bad ankle sprain sidelined him for a month. Wow. So, uh, you know, Minnesota might uh, somehow sneak in there, and I'm not sure what sort of package they could offer that would that would beat some of these other teams. But uh, you know, according to uh, you know Mark Stein, they're they're in contention for Gordon. I'm not gonna lie. Um, as a 2K fan of that, I might like that because offensively that would be fun. Not sure what you're giving up if you're Minnesota for that. Um, I mean, I know that I read something, I think, on The Athletic that Minnesota turned down an offer with Atlanta for like a first round pick in like uh, Malik Beasley or something. Well, again, all these are kind of more up in the air. I got to check the the, act, the actual accuracy of that. But like, what are you giving up if you're Minnesota there? Because you're definitely not going to get rid of D'Lo because of just not only just acquiring him last trade deadline, but also, you know, only having six games between him and Carl Anthony Towns, even though we all know that it's probably not going to be a success. You're not getting rid of... Um, Anthony Edwards, it'd be like, what, Rubio and some picks? I don't know. It'd be interesting in terms of looking at that Minnesota Timberwolves roster and kind of seeing how you construct a trade there. But, like, if you're looking at, like, his potential fit, 
I don't, I don't mind it. No, I, I think mean, it's, I, as you said, offensively, I think it's, it's pretty great because, you know, I mentioned when, when you brought up the idea of him on Golden State, I, I think uh, Gordon's best role is a guy that sets screens and, and rim runs and uses his dunk contest hops to, to great effect with that vertical spacing. Uh, surrounded by shooters. So theoretically, Minnesota, with Carl Anthony Towns, who's the best shooting center ever, uh, he would be a great fit where you could have some actions. Towns could kind of turn into the Dirk Nowitzki of the Minnesota offense, where at times he's an isolation post-up guy. At other times, he's the pick-and-roll guy. And at times, sometimes he's just spacing the floor in the corners and and letting, like, with those Dallas teams with Dirk in the corner, the J.J. Barea and and Tyson Chandler run (laughs) pick-and-roll. That's true. I mean, you can kind of emulate some of that. That, You know what? Yeah, that's actually my favorite now. (laughs) <laughs> that's my favorite no i mean <laughs> like just aside though yeah it would be it would be interesting the possibilities they have there i guess i just wonder how you make the money work especially when you look at okay if minnesota doesn't want to remove they don't want to move carl Anthony townsend he's a i mean they don't want to move him he's a lock like come on now um although you did say best shooting big and i'll you said best shooting big ever i just want to say mike muscat would like a word but um, <laughs> aside from that, okay, bad joke. I'm feeling my way back, y'all. Okay, so let's say Anthony Towns isn't moved. Anthony Edwards isn't moved. D'Angelo Russell isn't moved. Uh, that leaves what? Oh, and they're also high on um, um, Jade McDaniels, as they should be because the dude's been pretty solid. You take those four out. On the cusp is Malik Beasley, although Minnesota's given no indication that they would move him. But money-wise, he would make it kind of fit. Even though he is their leading like, – well, next to Carly Towns, their leading scorer and the best shooter on their roster, I would say, um, quite clearly. So, like, what are you messing with money-wise from that point? It would have to be centered around Ricky Rubio um, and then, what, Jared Culver? But, like, everyone want to get rid of Jared Culver at this point. He's been so disappointing. You know, like, uh, Nas Reed maybe? Josh Akogi? Josh like, you look at this guy's now and it's like, do you have the players that can form a package that would be enough for Orlando? And apparently, I guess there was one. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious on what that was or is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fascinating given that, yeah, they also owe a first-round pick to the Golden State Warriors that will convey either this year or in the next couple. So, or actually, I think this year or next. I think it's unprotected if it doesn't convey this year. Um, so yeah, I mean, they, I guess they still have first round picks out into the future that they could offer. And given the dysfunction of this franchise, uh, I think Orlando would highly value said picks. Mm-hmm. So, so if it is a pick heavy situation where, yeah, it's, it's two future Minnesota picks. Yeah. I think if you just match salary with Rubio and, and some of those lower guys that, that would be right up there in the conversation for best offer. Wow. I mean, there it is. This is, I'm telling you, this is something I'm interested in. Defensively, I wonder how that would work, but like you have a bunch of guys who are square, you know, what, 20, uh, well, no, Anthony Edwards, what, 19? Uh, But you look at these guys, 19 to 25, that's a nice kind of ratio to kind of grow together. Uh, The fits are kind of more defined, at least more clearly. Uh, I think you still have some fun where you go with, what, starting five of, let's say you do um, D'Lo and Beasley at the backcourt, Anthony, um, you slide up Anthony Edwards to the three, Gordon to the four, and then you have um, Cat at the five. That's that's interesting. Yeah, the only thing I don't I don't like about that is I think Edwards is more naturally a two, and I yeah, think yeah I that's, agree. 
I think the best version of the Timberwolves, if they were to compete, would be to get another wing in there, even if they were to get Gordon, get another wing that could play the three, move Edwards to the two, and Beasley can be that 26 to 30-minute guy as the combo guard off the bench. Um, I think that would be, you know, an ideal future. But, you know, when, when you talk about, uh, you, you were mentioning the, the defensive fit, I mean, I, I think we can just stop worrying about the Timberwolves' defensive fit because <laughs> this team is just going to be atrocious defensively as long as uh, as long as D'Lo, Beasley is your backcourt and, and Towns is your center. I mean, we, we, it's, we would be, you know, really uh, should be grateful that there is no D in Minnesota Timberwolves because uh, <laughs> there would be the joke of there is none. But, yeah, that that would just be a mess on that end. You would be committing to that. That would be some st- extreme um, 1990s uh, Denver Nuggets vibes. Like, we're not even going to pretend to stop y'all. <laughs> like, my, my bad. Extreme early 1990s, like Paul West had uh, Denver Nuggets. That's a deep take. I know you know, Garrett. But, like, yep. for the rest of y'all, just look it up. Um, like, we're not even going to try to stop you on defense to insinuate that we would is a joke, but, um, you know, try to outscore us. We'll see what happens. <laughs> like, like, just like Denver, I'm sure other teams will be happy for that challenge. But um, at the same time, that would be kind of fun. I actually, they're, that, they're on my list. But, I mean, they're on my list of what I want to happen. But there's one more team, not really high on them, but I'm never high on them on any trade deadline because they are just notorious for how they are every trade deadline. And that is the Boston Celtics. What do you think about Aaron Gordon possibly joining the Boston Celtics, Garrett? Yeah, um, it was it was interesting. You know, the um, the North Station Hoops podcast, I listened to their uh, nice. trade deadline preview with Nate Georgie and Scott Levine, and, and they talked about this extensively. You guys should should check that out. Anyone listening, they, yes, they did a good job breaking this down. But I think their big concern was that, uh, you know, Gordon isn't this great ball mover. Uh, he, you know, he's improved as a passer, but he's not a guy that, uh, you know, is a quick decision maker. Uh, and and that's frankly kind of what Boston needs. They they severely lack passing on that roster. And again, it's a matter of also how much uh, is, are the Celtics willing to give up to get him. And as I said with uh, Miami as well earlier, given that uh, both the the Heat and the Celtics are pretty much right around 500. Are these teams a little bit delusional to think that an Aaron Gordon puts them over the top? Um, the short answer to that is yes, and the <laughs> long answer is yes. <laughs> I mean, you have to consider what we're looking at right now. I mean, I think if they did this, this they're like, oh, this is the one thing we need to boost us over. Um, if that move happens, if it doesn't, then okay, we can uh, surmise that they have a realistic expectation or at least a more realistic expectation of where they are than we could have originally guessed. But if they make that move, I think they're only doing it because they think they can really make some headway. And if so, not only are they in for a major disappointment, but, you, but uh, not only are they in for a major disappointment, but then just like other front offices we've already talked about, you have to really reassess what their strategy, their thought process, their plan of attack is if they think he's the missing piece for the plethora of issues that Boston has right now. Yeah, and and frankly, I think, you know, another Orlando Magic player, Evan Fournier, is also, you know, I think he's a better fit in Boston. Again, I think he's a little bit better passer, on-ball player. You know, he can run off of screens and, and attract defensive attention. And, you know, I don't think the price is nearly as high given that he's, uh, you know, basically a rental so if Boston, you know, I think is if Danny Ainge is more realistic and realizes this team is, you know, not championship caliber this year, but, you know, maybe he wants to make a second round appearance in the playoffs, just get his guys more, uh, you know, 
more playoff run, then yeah, throw you know less assets to get a guy like uh, to get a guy like Fournier, who I think might help just as much. Yeah. You're right. I mean, I, again, just like you mentioned, North Station Hoops, I mean, they talk about some of them being enough of a play connector, someone who could shoot. It's a little bit on-ball versatility. You know, he's not going to be a, a major shakeup, but someone who would be a fine addition to a team that has need at that place opposition. So, yeah, you're right. That would be a nice fit and probably one that's much more realistic. And I would say, dare I say, potentially more attainable. Right, exactly. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe a second-round pick or two and, and salary mm-hmm. matching might do it. Uh and, you know, maybe they could they could throw in Tristan Thompson. I'm not sure they're that excited about uh, him still being on the roster. You know, they they signed him this last offseason, but it hasn't been the, the greatest fit. He's certainly dragged down their offense quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Oh. So uh, he's he's a guy to look out for in terms of the Celtics are are going to make moves. Uh, he's a guy that uh, that could be that matching salary. And, and another move that uh, that I think might be uh, might be interesting for uh, for Boston would be to potentially go after Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, and kind of just punt on this season. You could you could throw in Tristan Thompson's matching salary, or you could use part of that Gordon Hayward trade exception, uh, and and bring in Spencer Dinwiddie as your point guard for the foreseeable future. You obviously then would have to at, at a later date move on from Kemba Walker to avoid uh, tax hell <laughs> over the coming years, but. But, uh, you know, if if you were to ask me what point guard I would rather have for the next three or four seasons, Spencer Dinwiddie or Kemba Walker, I would rather have Spencer Dinwiddie. And yep. I think Boston has the assets to make it happen. They do. It would be very possible. I mean, you're right. And that would be a fit for someone that would be a great connector, someone who can kind of take more charge. It's obviously healthier uh, outside of, of course, this past year. Um, yeah, I would agree. You want to react to some uh, breaking trade? Yes. All right, so we are going back to Sacramento. Okay. Um, <laughs> the Kings have traded Corey Joseph and two second-round picks to the Detroit Pistons for DeLon Wright. And I have nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> I signed off of Sacramento just to get you wondering who it would be, and then I gave you that. Um, real quick, um, they're sending, for, for those of us who really, you know, interested here, the Kings are sending a 2021 second-round pick um, from the Lakers, and they're sending their own 2024 second-round pick to the Pistons. Um, my reaction, not the same as yours, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think this is another sort of sign. I mean, I, I like DeLon Wright more than I like Corey Joseph, especially as Joseph has gotten up in age. Um, but, yeah. uh, you know, this is another sort of move that's like Sacramento is is trying to upgrade their roster. They're buying assets right now when they should very much be selling. Dave Dufour said it best. He's uh, really excited that the Kings are uh, playing for that playing game. No, I'm exactly. like, like, I mean, this is just, yeah, this is, this is something else, but yeah, I'm with you. I just had to bring that up real quick because that was, um, that was funny. That's the first, uh, Woj bomb as we're uh, still recording and guess, uh, uh, Garrett and I are still going strong an hour and changing. This is a normal, uh, a normal Tuesday for us or Wednesday. I don't know what it is. <laughs> exactly. It's been a while. All right. But, um, yeah, let's, um, let's move on to, I kind of want to do a little trade potpourri here. Kind of, what are you interested in on the trade front? that you are hoping to see that you're kind of wondering will kind of shake out. You know, you always have those one or two trades that come out of nowhere that you're like, Oh, that happened. Um, like, what are you looking at on this, uh, this trade front here? 
So there's been a lot of talk about the Los Angeles Clippers and given their recent uh, skid lately that they, they need to make a move. And, and everyone has said, oh, they, they need a point guard. They need another playmaker uh, that, that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are not enough in terms of, uh, you know, creating offense against the, the most elite defenses in the NBA. Uh, I certainly think they need a point guard. I, I don't think as much as I am a Patrick Beverly fan, the guy has continuously been injured. He's got uh, constant durability concerns. He, uh, even when he is healthy, he often is over aggressive and gets into foul trouble. So there's a there's a debate over how many minutes you can, uh, you know, expect from him night to night mm-hmm. in a seven game series. So I think the Clippers just need a guy that can that can back him up because look, you look at this roster and there's nobody that that does exactly what Patrick Beverly does, which is defend elite guards you know he's got that elite lateral quickness plus the uh the three-point shooting on the other end that three and d from the point guard position you know they've got a guy in terrence Mann who you know has has had some moments this year but uh, I, I question i question that jump shot in in a postseason series when teams start to ignore him so the guy i've i've talked about actually for for a few weeks that I think would be a perfect fit for him for them. He doesn't provide the playmaking that a lot of people are calling for, but he just gives you some Beverly insurance and gives you 48 minutes of three and D uh, at that point guard position. And that's George Hill. Uh, okay. And, and I think they should offer a package of, of Lou Williams and, and I think Patrick Patterson. And, and if they need to throw in one of their uh, second round picks that they own from the Detroit Pistons in that Luke Kennard trade, you do that and, and you get Hill. Not only do I think Hill is an upgrade over Lou Williams in his rotation spot, but then he also can back up uh, and, and be that insurance for Patrick Beverly. I think that would be a huge move for the Clippers' title chances. Yeah, I agree. I mean, having someone like Hill who, you know, definitely some more scoring shots, but still some playmaking, um, some ancillary on-ball on movement there. Um I think you definitely have to get rid of that second-round pick. And I also feel like OKC might demand more because, like, Lou Williams already said, like, if he gets moves, he's retiring, which well, is funny. Got, but they like, got four of those. I don't know if you know, Corbin. They got four of those Detroit seconds. Oh, yeah. No, I'm saying – oh, no, you're right. No, no, I mean, like, OKC's uh, just asset-hungry right now, like, in general. But, I mean, if they're making, like, an individual trade with um, the Clippers, like, you're getting a guy in Lou Williams who doesn't fit them at all what they're doing unless you're going to try to jettison him from, like, you know, parlay that to another trade. And getting a guy in Patrick Patterson who you already had, I'm saying, like, what is it in for – for um okc to do that especially well i'm i'm saying that the clippers could, next year is only partially guaranteed as is i think the clippers could that's what i was getting at with them having four detroit seconds is they could throw oh, in two detroit seconds if they my if, mistake if, i <laughs> my if fault. that's what they need to it to get it done my fault i heard it and i i it just kind of i <laughs> it's like you catch some of the words and then you like I, I didn't hear all of it i didn't listen as well as i should have on that front my mistake there <laughs> All good, no. but yeah, I think they, I think they have enough. I mean, I, I, if if OKC asked for more than two Detroit seconds, I think that would be a little bit greedy on the, yeah. on, the on behalf of Sam Presti. Oh, most definitely. No, you're right. You're right. I get you on that. That's yeah. That's um. That's the truth. Yeah. That's probably all they can expect for him. Listen, if I was OKC. I would definitely leverage that against other moves, but really you only have one team that is in the Clippers. I mean, they did it with Paul George. It's possible. Why not? Why not try to get more? We know you need him. You know you need him. Give us your picks. Yeah. I'm just saying. But no, I get where you're coming from. Yeah, for sure. And then you're right, making that salary work and then saying goodbye to Lou Williams. 
15,000 points. It's crazy. But for your championship defense, not only or not championship defense, for your championship uh, aspirations, rather, <laughs> not only do, does having Hill help you on the offensive end, but unlike Lou Will, who can give you that jolt on the offensive end, you won't be hunted repeatedly on the defensive side of the ball. So that makes perfect sense to me. Um, and yeah, I'm totally with that. Uh, I have to go aside from that. And this is something that actually I want to just address with you directly, because we talk about having someone that kind of replicate some of what Pat Beverly does. But when you hear everyone talk about the Clippers should go after X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z, Lonzo Ball, George Hill, um, Eric Blatt, just craziness. It's always about, oh, we need a point guard. We need a point guard. Look at what happened in the playoffs. They need a point guard. Um, do you think that the Clippers need a point guard? I mean, I, I don't think they need a point guard in the, the sense of like what, what you – traditionally expect from a point guard. If okay, that like a Ricky sense. Rubio I, or something. Right. I don't think they need uh, that that guy that uh, will run 20 pick and rolls and can, you know, create his own shot consistently, that sort of thing. I don't think they need that. I just think they need another guy, another guy at the guard position that can that can defend, that can switch, is versatile, and uh, can, can hit shots on the other end. I think um, that that was the biggest issue in that uh, what I thought was the biggest issue in that collapse against Denver was that not only was uh, was Patrick Beverly coming off uh, an injury and he was on a minutes restriction, but then he got in foul trouble. Beverly only averaged 20 minutes a game in that series. So that meant that for, uh, you know, the other 28 minutes of of that uh, of those games in that series, they were playing with, uh, you know, a Reggie Jackson or a Lou Williams guys that, as you said, get hunted on, on the defensive end and just having a George Hill there that can, that can plug in that hole, I think makes a huge difference. And yes, there were, there were some issues with the Clippers offense at times in that, that Denver series, especially in the second halves of games five through seven, but you know, basketball is a is a is a game that goes on both ends and both ends effect affect each other. You know, if you're not getting stops as the Clippers struggled to get in the second halves of those uh, of, of games five through seven, that makes it a lot harder to score because you're going up against a set half court defense. So uh, I, I really think that uh, the George Hill move would put them right at the top of the uh, the title contenders for for this season. And and I think it would be foolish for them not to do it, given that I don't think it would cost that much to get Hill. Um, no, I guess not. I mean, that, look at where he's been. He's already been out with that, uh, I think, thumb or hand injury for a little bit of time. No, you're really right. The, the the buy-in would be real low for that, and the potential you get from that on the fit with your team. I mean, the guy's been just a rot-solid three-point shooter, someone who with his length, defensively is stout, his playmaking. You're right. It would It would make the most sense. So I'm totally with you on that for sure. Um, what do you think about, and I need to ask you this, for the Lakers, what should they do? Um, you know, you already have LeBron out for a while now. You have um, now you have AD out for a while now. You have LeBron going to be out for a while. We've seen the offense without both of them kind of crater. Uh, you have an interesting spot. We kind of talked about this earlier with Taylor Horton Tucker being your one kind of young asset alongside guys who you kind of need right now in Dennis Shooter and Montrezl Harrell, who, by the way, you probably have to bring back. Um, given the cap situation that you find yourself in, what can LA do in terms of retooling or what should they do rather? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because obviously this next stretch of, uh, you know, of, of games without Davis or LeBron is going to be tough. 
And do you make more of a, a move on the fringes to get a guy that you think can help you over this stretch of games that maybe isn't going to be a huge asset come postseason? That's an interesting question. You know, is it important enough to, to make one of those moves to keep you in, say, the three or four spot as opposed to the six or seven? Uh, obviously, the being in the the play-in would be would be tough, but I would still I would still pick LeBron and Anthony Davis uh, for for a play-in matchup. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. So well, whatever position you find them in, I wouldn't even right. worried if they fell as far as the play-in. Like, okay, we got LeBron and AD, we're good. We're playing the Kings. <laughs> like, come on now. Exactly. So yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see if they make more of a minor move, but. Uh, you know, and, and obviously there's the, the major move that they could make in, in acquiring Kyle Lowry, and we'll see if that happens. Uh, but, you know, there's also the, the buyout market. There's already been talks that uh, they're interested in the likes of Andre Drummond and, and LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, those guys, I think, could uh, could help in, in minor ways. I think it might be more of a matchup thing where they could, they could help against certain opposition. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I... I don't expect, uh, you know, if they don't make the Lowry move, I don't expect anything significant. But uh, but I do expect them to be one of the top spots for for those buyout guys. Oh yeah, and I've been purposely leaving out buyout because I feel that's a whole another conversation we can have once this trade market kind of filters through and we see what happens. So that's going to be fun to kind of watch here. But um. Yeah, man. Listen, I've had you on for a bit here. You know, I love talking to you. I'm glad I could have you here to kind of get back in to this mix. So I have to ask you before we cut loose here, um, what's one move that you are excited, really hopeful for seeing? Ooh, so, um, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, I, I had written down before we started recording, I'd written down all of the uh, the fake trades that that Zach Lowe made in that uh, in that Woj Lowe special. And uh, one of them that I thought was uh, was really fun, and I think you would get a kick out of, was uh, the Indiana Pacers trading DeMontis Sabonis to the uh, the Washington Wizards for Rui Hachimura, Thomas Bryant, Ish Smith, one unprotected first, one pick swap, and two second-round picks. Yes, uh, okay, listen, I actually have to tell you, I was having, um, so on Eric Pincus's Discord, they were kind of discussing that, right? And, you know, people don't understand I come with, like, total humor, or at least that's what people think. No, I'm playing. Um, and I was like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And people are like, what are you talking about? Listen, DeMontis Bonus obviously needs to play with someone that brings the most out of his game. When he played with Russell Westbrook in 2017, <laughs> he was able to know his proper role. They made everyone fit. I said, they really, this is a move to maximize Russell Westbrook um, in this playoff race. And then I'm like, okay, I'm just kidding. But, like, the point being is, like, that is hilarious that that's something even being – I mean, I get shopping some bonus because actually I'm not super high on him. As like someone like a franchise guy, I just don't see it. Like he's someone that's very, very good. I actually uh, – the the hoop uh, person in me would like him to go to Portland for no other reason to kind of continue the Sabonis in Portland type role type thing, you know, from the 90s and, and into now. I think that would be kind of a cool story, very much like Larry Nance in Cleveland. Um, that being said, I, I don't mind the Pacers uh, shopping Sabonis. I just – don't think he's uh, he's good he's very good but i don't think he's like that big a mover or shaker uh for the pacers however to washington like already on his head there's nobody with the exception of bradley beal who i'm looking at washington going okay this is what i like you know and much less for Hachimura, who's still you know very young still trying to figure out his place and all but like i, I think it's quite clear to see that Sabonis is definitely better than him in like every aspect of the game right now 
Yeah, I mean, I think Zach Lowe's logic for for Washington in, in that fake trade would be just that, oh, uh, you know, Beal wants to stay. This is going to, you know, embolden him to to stick around as having <laughs> having sort of a sidekick in Sabonis. But uh, you know, Beal, I, I have a sidekick. Any, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, I didn't even, and I hadn't even considered the uh, the the. Um, <laughs> the fact that Westbrook and Sabonis would be reunited. Exactly. Uh, that's uh, that's that's great humor there. But um, you know, I've heard so many of these Miles Turner, Miles Turner fake trades, and and frankly, yeah, I've always been on the mindset if I'm Indiana that I would rather keep Turner, that defensive anchor, and the floor spacer at the five rather than the uh, the Sabonis. I just think it's a lot harder to find a guy like Miles Turner than it is to find a, a Sabonis or at least an 80% of of those guys. And yeah. you know, if uh, if if Indiana could get an unpro- the, the the Wizards unprotected first for this year, I mean, uh, that's just an immediate yes if I'm the Pacers because if I can even have a a, a 5% chance of turning DeMontis Sabonis into Cade Cunningham, I am all over it. Yo, I mean, you even bring him up, man. Jeez, yes. If you if that opportunity presents itself, I mean, are we really debating anything else? Like, it makes the most sense. It's a perfect idea in terms of that. And like, if you can parlay that into a much much bigger return, you absolutely do that. <laughs> but so yeah, yeah, man. Huh? As far as as far as uh, you know, you were asking me what I what I'm hoping for. As far as just an overall theme that I that I hope we get is that just you know we. We, we get plenty of teams going for it. You know, this is a season where, uh, yes, like going into it, the Lakers were the obvious favorite, but given their, you know, they're, they're probably going to be a, a four seed or worse. You know, they might even have to, to, to win three road series to make the finals this year. There's not that juggernaut team like we saw from, from like the Warriors from 2015 through 2019, where teams were just, so so confident that the Warriors were just going to win it that they kind of shied away from making win now moves uh, given that you know we're in a league now of most teams other than the Nets having two stars and not three uh, that, that more teams will feel like they have a shot to to win the title this year and, and go for it I I like when it's a, there's a lot of activity on trade deadline day and I hope we get it this year I did it again did it again Talking again, did it again. Jeez Louise. But around, aye, 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 I'm done. Okay, what I was saying is that the excitement of the trade deadline, that's exactly what I'm hoping for. Some big thing that we haven't seen, um, a four-team or something out of the blue. You know, just like you would the opening days of free agency or draft. This, exci- this is what NBA fans is part of the fun of it. And so if we could get something out of nowhere that really just sparks – just the, the debates, the conversations, additional podcasts, more conversations like we're having here. That's what I'm hoping for. Uh, the last thing I want is a quiet one because then it's just rumors and we're hand-wringing and wondering. And, of course, that's a lot of the fun. Like, I think 80% of the trade deadline is just that, speculations and trade machines. But even with that being that it is, uh, this is where the fun is. I'm just looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's what we'll all be doing on uh, for for a few hours is uh, if you're on your computer refreshing the screen or if you're on Twitter, just uh, doom scrolling. <laughs> it's, uh, that, yep. That's what trade deadline is all about. And yeah, it's uh, it's very frustrating if uh, it'll be very frustrating if I spend four or five hours tomorrow afternoon and, uh, you know, I, I, I get two or three trades that, uh, that is that's no fun for anybody. No, no, it's the last thing any of us want. Um, we want some action, so let, let's get it. That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> exactly. Let's get it. 
Definitely, man. But thank you so much, Garrett, for coming back on. Um, just helping me out here. I do appreciate it. Um, you know you, where they can find you on Twitter at Garrett Bouquet, uh, host of the amazing show that I'm fortunate to be a part of, Duncan Dynasty. Uh, working on, of course, work. Uh, with Blazer's Edge, I mean Blazer and Blazer's Edge. Oh my goodness, Rip City Project. Um, I'm thinking Blazers here all over today, man. Um, anything else you want to plug in terms of stuff coming up down the pipeline? Uh, we already know you have your excellent League Pass Radio. Yeah, um, I will be doing a, a post-trade deadline episode with uh, with my friend and uh, uh, um, GM school uh, contestant Darius Scott. So uh, the two of us after the uh, after the trade deadline ends, uh, we will be uh, breaking it down and, and hopefully we will get an, that episode out to you uh, uh, sometime either uh, you know Thursday night or uh, early Friday. Definitely, definitely. I'm looking forward to catching that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Darius, I mean, I'm familiar from just this excellent uh, GM school that came out, and I've listened to a few podcasts you've had with him. Great, great chemistry. It's going to be a lot of fun. Everything, I'm telling you, a lot of fun. And um, aside from that, y'all, I'm trying to figure it out. We're getting back in or trying to find our way, so definitely stay tuned here. But don't even, I mean, as much as I say worry about this, definitely make sure to check out Hoopball. Super huge thing going on tomorrow. They've done this every year for the past four years, and that is the Hoopball NBA Trade Deadline Fantasy Live. It's four hours, just straight content from a fantasy perspective. Um, you know, it, it just carries it, and they have a lot of experts there to break it all down. And so, you know, this is where it's at. It's time to make those fantasy moves to win those leagues, and this is where it's done. So definitely make sure to check out, you know, you have a uh, Dan Bresbris, you have Aaron Bruski, you have all these other guys who are going to be there, and and I love it. So definitely make sure to tune into that and try to make the moves you need to uh, get on top with this fantasy season uh, reaching its crescendo here. But aside from that, for Gary Bouguet, for myself, uh, you know, we frosty, y'all stay frosty, and we'll talk to y'all real soon. All right, y'all. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.